Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. This morning I will be speaking to parents, but I would also let you know if you're a grandparent, an aunt, or an uncle, or if you know a teenager, this is for you. All right. The, t- the title of the message is Parental Guidance Required, or PGR if you would have it. Let me pray for us. Lord, it is good to be in your house. It's good to gather together, and I pray right now you speak to us. That, Lord, we need to hear from you. I pray you'll use my lips to communicate your words so clearly that it draws us to the very heart of God. Use this time, Father, to speak. I pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. So a short confession this morning, something a while back at least. In my early days of ministry, fresh out of college, fresh without experience, somehow I got the idea that in the teenage years, middle school and high school, mom and dad weren't needed. During those times of rebellion and my ideas were, hey, as the middle school pastor or my small group leaders, we can try to fill that role. And what I got to tell you is that I learned very quickly I was wrong. If I would have just done the numbers, I would have come to this conclusion a lot earlier. If you start to think about it, as a church and as a middle school or high school ministry, we have your sons and daughters for maybe at max four hours a week, when as a parent, you get to spend at least four hours a day with them. And then the study came out from Barna. Barna does a fantastic job when it comes to researching faith and family. And here's what they had to say. They said parents are still the number one influencer in the teen years. Notice this wasn't friends, this wasn't social media, this wasn't entertainment. It's stating that parents are the number one influencer in those teen years. And that's kind of shocking maybe to some of us. Because we know parenting is definitely a big influence in the younger years. It's a lot easier to parent in those, those younger years because you're wanted. Uh, Hannah, my three-year-old, does swim lessons on Fridays. And so my wife and I take turns taking her to swim lessons. And at the swim lessons, there's the swimming pool. Then there's like the parent hangout. And there's this glass wall in between. And in the midst of Hannah's uh, swim lesson, she'll pause and, and stop and look for me and wave. And I'll wave back. And it's the cutest little thing she does, right? She's, she's excited that I'm there to watch her swim. Now, I will, I will propose to you this morning that if you did that with your teenager, if you showed up at their high school unannounced, you might just get a different gesture, if you know what I mean. <laughs> It might be, what in the world are you doing here, right? Because, yes, parenting young kids is difficult for one reason, but it's way different when it comes to the middle school and high school years. Some of you dads of 13-year-old daughters know there's some pushback. 
There's more arguing. There's this search or this desire for independence while being dependent on you as a parent financially. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Things change very quickly as they go into middle school and high school years, and it's a little more difficult. Way more difficult. But here's the thing. And here's what we found is sometimes parents step back in these years. They retire. They wash their hands of it. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you, mom and dad, that this isn't the time for that. That in these teenage years, it is time to step in to this. That we need you. That despite this drama, despite the emotional roller coasters our kids go through and what they put us through, in these difficult years, I'm telling you, mom and dad, your parental guidance is required. We need you. We need you. That's going to be my challenge for all of us this morning, is the teenagers in this room, in this church, in this neighborhood, and of Pittsburgh need you. So let us look at our scripture this morning. Found in Deuteronomy, it says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, if we're honest, we're very familiar with this verse. If you've been raised in church, been around here long enough, you know this. I mean, this is a verse you put on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. We know Jesus uh, references this as the greatest commandment for all of us. That this is our response to the Savior. Jesus died for us. He loves us. And our response is this, that we to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And here's what I'm proposing to you this morning. That if that's God's will for all of us, it's also God's will for our children. That they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their strength. Notice that Moses here, who just had given the commandments now focuses on the central part. He focuses on the heart. Not the outside, but the heart. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that begins on the inside and then the strength. That you can't love the Lord your God with all your strength unless you love him with your heart. It's not behavior modification here. It's not the law. It's not rules. It's the heart. Verse 6 goes on this. It says, it reads as follows. You'll see there that you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Notice again, wholeheartedly. That you can't obey the commands without the heart. See, I'm, I'm going on this. That for successful parenting, that we must go after our kids' hearts. That this should define our aim, our purpose, our goal as parents is that in the end of the time, end of the days, that they would love the Lord with their entire heart. And that their heart would beat for God. That that defines successful parenting for us. Not a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, not a successful career or a great job, but the end, that they love Jesus. That should be our aim as parents. Our goal is the heart, is the heart. Now, for parents in here that are big on discipline, you know who you are, right? 
I'm more of the disciplinary than I think in my family at times. My wife will take over sometimes as well. But I'm from Texas. And we, we've, we've, we've invented discipline, all right? And I'm from Texas, and I know what it's all about, right? So I'm big on discipline, and I get that. And in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I remember, uh, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, some friends of mine, they were on the football team, so was I. Anyways, they got in trouble. And the principal gave them this ultimatum. Check this out. You can be expelled and miss the football game on Friday, or you could take a beating from one of the, actually, we paddled the kids, which is crazy. You could take a paddling from one of the teachers, all right? They chose the paddling, all right? Now, mind you, they didn't know that the teacher was going to be our football coach, was, who was an ex-NFL football player, offensive lineman, all right? And you would have thought, being the high school football coach, he would have taken it easy on these guys, right? Oh, no, no, no. I remember standing outside his door, hearing the discipline being applied and going, oh my goodness. I mean, it echoed in the room next door, all right? So I come from Texas. I know discipline. I still can't believe that happened in high school, but it did. So I get discipline. And then I was studying this week, and here's what I found. Is, and this was a, a paper written about how rabbis would talk about discipline in the home. And here's what they would say. There must be a combination of caring and compassion on one hand and strict justice on the other. So a phrase they would use, that we push away with our left hand while we draw close with our right. Now, if you think about that for a second, the left hand is the weaker hand. The right hand is your strong hand. And so what they were saying was this, use your right hand, your strong hand to draw them close. Discipline with that weaker hand. Rather that our discipline, check this out, should never outweigh our care and our compassion for our kids. Man, that's mind-blowing to me. Our discipline shouldn't outweigh our love and our care and our compassion. I mean, if we think about this, this is how we, church, want God to handle us. Lord, use your weak hand on me, on discipline, but draw me close with your strong hand, God. That's what we all want from, the, from, the, from our God. And when we start to think about it, uh, I love the verse, um, I, I say this all the time, that it is God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. And then interesting, it's his kindness that leads us toward repentance, not his law, not his discipline, but it's kindness. And we talk about law and legislation and rules. We really begin to think about these things, they never really change the heart. If they did, society would have been fixed by now, right? It would have been fixed by now. Uh, consider the movie Jurassic Park. I love that film growing up. It was mind-blowing for me as a kid. And Jurassic Park was awesome because it was amazing with the dinosaurs. The Jeeps were cool. Do you remember this? They had these awesome Jeeps with the screens in them. Back in those days, it was awesome, right? And Jurassic Park was a fabulous... I, like, I wanted to go as a kid. That would have been awesome. Because the dinosaurs were inside the cages. But as the movie progresses, we find that the dinosaurs escape. And chaos breaks loose, right? Like people are being eaten. The park is destroyed, right? Isn't that what takes place in college? It's true, right? Behavior modification couldn't change the dinosaur. They were great inside the cages, inside the pens, but once they left... All hell, all hell broke loose, right? 
Because attempts at behavior modification doesn't change the heart. It doesn't change the heart. You know, this verse that we read, our scripture focus, did you know Orthodox Jews will pray this twice a day, every day? That they are very much aware how the heart is the central part of who we are. The heart is what we need to go after. I love Paul Tripp, and this is what he talks about when he talks about going after the heart, parenting after the heart. Here's what he says. Blow your child away with God's patience, with his mercy, and his love. We should go beyond just enforcing our authority as parents and point to God's authority. Go beyond pointing to God's authority to pointing to God's grace. God's grace. So I believe that's the kind of parenting that changes the heart. We point to God's grace, mom and dad. And here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. It means we don't have to be perfect. Because <laughs> we know we're not in this room. There's no perfect parent. Uh, this week I accidentally hurt Hannah as I was putting her into her car seat. I said, honey, I'm sorry. Daddy hurt you. You know, there's nobody perfect. She says, yes. And mommy too. I'm like, You're right. There's nobody perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Because what's most important is that we go after the heart. And that kind of parenting, God's grace, God's patience, God's mercy, when we demonstrate that to the kids, to our parents, to our teenagers, I'm sorry, it changes the heart. And listen, it's why church matters. It's why youth group matters. It's why summer camps matter. Because listen, we're after the heart. After the heart. It's why family prayer times it's like tucking your kids in. It's why having hard conversations, awkward conversations we wouldn't want to have with our teenagers are important. Because it's going after the heart. Family devotions, family's time together, vacations, doing things life together. It's important because it goes after the heart. We parent for the heart. But let's be real here for a moment. There's some things that get in the way. And I think one of the major things that get in the way of parenting after the heart is simply our busyness. Right? We are so very busy. And mom and dad, I know you are too. We have work that because of technology no longer just work nine to five. It comes comes home with us. It's on the weekends all the time. We have the kids and their activities and their things. I know some of us feel like you're a professional chauffeur. Right? We got church activities, we got friends we want to hang out with, we got all kinds of stuff going on, and we're so very busy as parents. And it's almost become something we brag about. The last week was Mother's Day, and I don't know if you had the family over and you asked somebody how they're doing. Most people answer, I'm good, just so very busy. It defines our society as it's just so very busy. Now, I would like to propose to you that our teenagers are just as busy or maybe even busier. You know, school is crazy these days, right? You have pre-cal for toddlers, college prep for 12-year-olds, right? And our kids, I like to put it this way, school is no longer just school. It's actually a scholastic arms race. They're literally competing against everybody to build the best college resume they possibly can to outdo the competition. It's a scholastic arms race. So they do all these extracurricular activities, all these AP courses with hopes of having the best resume. So you got that. You also got the busy beast of sports. Traveling teams, practices every day of the week. 
games at 5 a.m. You don't believe me? I just was talking to a middle schooler who had a hockey game at 5 a.m. Right? It's crazy. The busy beast of sports. Then our kids also have social media, which is like their second life they had to keep up with. Don't believe me? Talk to a teenage daughter in her 14, and she'll tell you how important her social media life is. Now we got church activities on top of all this. We have some kids who actually almost work full-time jobs after school and on the weekends. It's unbelievable to me how busy we are as parents, as teens, and even as pastors, which sadly at times we can play the God card at the expense of our kids and our marriages. Hopefully not us. So, two weeks ago I'm at this conference And uh, conferences are often very busy, but ironically, someone made this quote that stuck with me. And someone was quoting Eugene Peterson, and this is what he has to say, and listen, I think it's so important. It says, busyness is the enemy of spirituality. Take a moment to think about that for a second, that busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It's getting in the way. Our busyness can actually get in, our, get in the way of our relationship, our connectedness to God. That literally, it can be the killer of our souls. And when you consider prayer, silence, rest, honoring the Sabbath, these things all require us to slow down, to be still before God, to listen to Him, to pray. Man, these things are all counter to this thing we call busyness that we're all so involved in. So maybe the question this morning, and this is for all of us, does your soul crave for rest? Crave for connectedness to God? Something you may be missing? And if it does, maybe we've just been way too busy. Way too busy. So here's a question, Mom and Dad, to the parents in this room. When and where are you getting your rest? When and where are you recharging your batteries getting close to our Savior. So I think, listen, we got to start saying no to some good things so we can say yes to something great, to the Lord and to our kids and to our marriages. And listen, I think if we start slowing down, we'll start to realize what's most important, our love for God, our spouses, our kids, And my challenge for us is don't let busyness get in the way. Let's move on to Deuteronomy 6. The next verse is here. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Again, a third time he emphasizes the heart here. The heart. Now impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Moses gets parenting. See, parenting is an ongoing thing, isn't it? 24-7, night and day. It's in the car together when we're riding places. It's at the dinner table. It's before bed. It's late nights, sleepless nights. That's for my wife. 15 months of not having a single full night's rest. Parenting just doesn't stop, does it? It's all the time. Now, when you consider this first... Here's what I was thinking about as I was studying this. You can't do this verse if you're not present. You can't actually do this if you're not there. It requires your presence. 
Listen, you can't disciple, you can't pass on the faith, you surely can't parent if you're not present physically and mentally. In the verse, we're instructed to talk to our kids, to walk with them, to be there when they lie down and when they get up. It requires your presence, both physically and mentally. State that again. So I heard this story this week I think is very interesting. Um, it was about a parent-teacher conference. And uh, this, parent, this group of parents, mom and dad, they show up at this parent-teacher conference. Not just them, they brought their nanny. That would have been odd for the teacher. But anyways, the teacher goes on to give the parents the instructions saying, hey, these are some areas we think your child needs to improve in. All along, as the teacher's saying these things like a typical parent-teacher conference was going, taking place, uh, mom and dad kept referring to the nanny saying, make sure you write that down. Make sure you take note of that. Make sure you let our child know that this is what needs to happen. In other words, the parents were actually attempting to give up their role or their presence in their own kid's life. And what I've got to say to that is good luck come middle school years. Good luck come high school years. That's just not going to work. Because here's what I want to tell you. Only you can fill that role. Mom and dad, only you are called to your kids. Only you. See, in every profession that's in this room, whatever you do for a living, here's the thing I'm pretty sure of. Someone else can do that job. So if you're a lawyer, a teacher, an electrician, or a nurse, someone else can do that. There's somebody out there that can fill your role in that job. But when it comes to your kids, you're irreplaceable. When I think about my, my role here at the church, there are many people who probably could teach middle school kids. There are many people here that probably could organize summer camps, maybe preach or teach or smash cupcakes in kids' faces. I know you want to. Come on, right? But nobody can fill my role in the lives of my kids No one can be dad to Adeline and Hannah. That's my role. That's specific to me. And the same thing could be said for each of us. Your child is your role, is your call. You don't know if you knew this, that when that child came out of the womb, that child is now your calling. You cannot be replaced. It's what God has called you to. So mom and dad, we need you. As a leader in youth ministry, I'm telling you, we need you. Your guidance is required. Don't let busyness get in the way of this. Now, as we conclude this morning, I want to remind us of the time we have left with our kids before they go to school. I mean, time seems to just fly by these days, doesn't it? School's about the end. We're going to hit summer, and soon we're going to be going, where did summer go? Right? It just seems to fly by. And so we have this, have this great illustration. Jamie used it a couple years ago, but it helps us remember how much time we have with our kids before they go to school, before they head off to college. So if you have a six-year-old, this represents you. Each of these marbles is one week in the life of your son or daughter. Any six-year-old moms here? Parents of six-year-olds? Anybody? There's a few up front. All right, sweet. 624 weeks you have till they head to school. That's cool. 
That's promising. You've got a lot of time to invest, to train, to love on, to nourish, to go after the heart. 624 weeks. Now, since this is uh, Youth Sunday, if you have an 8th grader soon to enter high school, this is what you have left. 220 weeks left till they head to college. 220 weeks. Juniors, now seniors, you have 76 weeks. Mom and Dad, if you have a junior that's now about to be a senior, you have 76 weeks. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. And now for this group. If you have a parent, if you're a parent of a senior, you got but what, 10 weeks left, 12 weeks left till they go to school? Man, this is sobering. You know, I wonder if we were to seek this parent out and to, to ask them to give us some advice, I wonder what they would say. Because the reality of the few weeks left is so real to them. They get it. They know that their son and daughter is about to head off. I wonder what they would say. I wonder what their concerns would be. I know they'd probably wonder, did we do enough? Did we teach them enough? Did we have that conversation? Did we, did we train them right? How are they going to behave? What are they going to do? What's going to be like? But I also think they would emphasize the importance of each and every one of these weeks. Because I know if you're here, you're craving more of this, won't you? You're craving, I wish I could go back and do a little bit more. I wish I could go back and, and love a little bit more. I wish I could go back and do maybe something just a little bit differently. And then maybe the regrets... The regrets would be, I wish I wasn't so busy doing everything else. I wish I would have spent more time with them. I wish I wasn't so far away from my family at times. I bet there would be so many different things they would say. But I hope this morning you understand the importance of what we have before us. The time is short. And one day, they're three now, but they're going to be 13, Right? They're six now, they're going to be 16. And it just seems, time seems to flow by so fast, doesn't it, Mom and Dad? Doesn't it? Time is short. And you're needed. Engage. Don't miss this phase. Don't miss this opportunity to do exactly what we've been talking about this morning. To train them up. To go after the heart. Because that's what matters most. Let's pray. Father, I'm very much thankful for my parents, my grandparents, for my aunts and uncles who all showed me the way, who had conversations with me, who checked on me, who loved on me, who cared for me. And I wonder where I would be without them. I'm grateful for my grandparents who, who went after, who was able to really pour their lives and their wisdom into my life. I'm thankful this morning for all the mom and dads who are here, who care about their kids, who are wanting something different for them, the reason why they're in church. And I pray for them that they would love on their kids in such a way that God would be glorified, that they would parent in such a way that grace, forgiveness, compassion can be seen. And when they're tempted to check out 
and when they're tempted to give up, when they're frustrated with their kids and they want to pull their hair out, may they remember that child is a child of the king. It's not just our sons and daughters, it's God's sons and daughters. And we as parents get the privilege to love on them, to train them, to care for them, to instruct them. We get that privilege. Help us not to give up our roles, our responsibilities for things that don't matter in the end. Help us, Jesus, as parents, as aunts and uncles, as those who work with teenagers, to show them what really matters, to pour our lives and our souls into them so that they would one day do the same to others. Use our church, use our ministries to be about the heart, the heart that would beat for you, God. I pray this in all God's people said, amen.